If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You know they've got 17 Colorado locations, but you can also go online to mygreensolution.com. If you do, either way, make sure you use the promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and on this episode, we keep trudging away at the players uh, getting individual episodes of the podcast. It's been a lot of fun running through these, doing so far to this point, John Gray, Rymal Tapia, Wade Davis, and Ryan McMahon. Uh, the plan was to do a conversation about David Dahl next, but as I began putting together the research for that, I realized uh, there's more research that needs to go into that. There are just more chapters in the story of David Dahl. As you all know, I wanted to be able to speak a little more completely and intelligently about some of the injury history and some of the reasons why. Well, I don't want to get too much into David Dahl stuff on Tony Wolter's episode, but anyway, that stuff got a little complicated for my particular schedule today, so I figured I would go to the next most requested player on the list, especially because it was pretty close between Dahl and Tony Walters, the man with the stash behind the dish, the catcher who seemed to be growing into his own but has become a bit of a divisive figure, I would say, among Rockies fans, particularly... You know, I would say he's in many ways a fan favorite, 
but also of the community, whether it's the blogging community or the just in general, the people who tend to be uh, a bit more stat oriented in their analysis of the game. Uh, they are not especially impressed with what Walters has accomplished so far in his career, even in 2019. So let's go over uh, as much of it as we can, as we have with everyone else to this point. Uh, Walters just turned 27 about four months ago, so he'll play the vast majority of uh, I shouldn't say the vast majority. He'll play. I guess he'll, it'll be a little bit uh, half and half. He'll. It'll be the majority of the season. He'll be 28 next year, uh, but will turn 29 later in the year. Uh, he. Well, first I should talk about. I guess how he came into the Rockies organization. I think he's the first player. Well, no, we talked. We mentioned Wade Davis and everything that he went through. I was going to say I've mostly been doing players who. Uh, were drafted by the Rockies, but Walters was not. He was drafted by the Cleveland Indians in the third round of the 2010 draft. Uh, he was a middle infielder, and he had, you know, barely seen the upper levels of the minors by the time the Cleveland Indians decided uh, they weren't sure he had a future in their organization. The Rockies claimed him off of waiver, waivers in February of 2016. And so uh, that, that is how he became a member of the Colorado Rockies. Looking back over his career, uh, he began, you know, he was never a, a, a huge hitter. And so it's not a, a ton of surprise that the major leagues, he hasn't really done that. In 2010, his first pro year with the Indians, uh, 211 batting average, 286 on base, 211 slugging, but that was only over five games. Really didn't get much in, so you can't do too much with those numbers. The next year he looked all right in low A, 292 batting average, a two, uh, 385 excuse me on base, 363 slugging. Again, he's never really slugged. He hit one home run that year in 69 games, but uh, Cleveland moved him up a level in high A, Hit 260. Again, nothing great here. Uh, the 320 on base, a 404 slugging. And, and you remember he was playing mostly shortstop and middle infield. So, you know, he's putting up these WRC plus numbers of 123, 101, 108 the next year. Much better season for him the next year. He did repeat high A, but in 80 games, he hit 277 on base, 369. Still slugged only 353. Again, he's not giving you much in the slugging department. It, it is interesting, the year before that, he hit eight home runs, uh, by far his career high at any level. Uh, he, he, he's not come close to doing that since. In fact, I don't think he's got, nope, nowhere on here does he have four home runs in a season. So he hasn't even done half of that since 2013. Uh, he moved up to double A, really struggled in 2015. 65 games played. He only hit 209 on base 290. That's really tough. And slug 280. Hit two home runs. That's a 68 WRC plus in that season. But apparently Cleveland was still interested in challenging him a little bit. They moved him up to AAA in 2016 before the Rockies claimed him off of waivers. He had a really hot spring training 
for the Rockies in 2016, if I recall correctly. I don't have these numbers right in front of me, but he hit over 300 in spring training. And it wasn't, you know, he didn't slug. He's never slugged ever uh, his career high in an actual, you know, decent sample size. It looks like here is 395, which is what he did his first season in Colorado as a backup. He got 71 games in. The Rockies had, uh, the, the Indians had just barely converted him into being a catcher. Rockies brought him in, decided, yeah, we like him as a catcher. He really took to the position, uh, put up a, a great, great defensive number. That was the year uh, he was especially loved by statistics like framing and blocking. And, you know, he was getting played in a lot of the situations that were best for him. Uh, so primarily, again, as a backup, 71 games played. He hit 259. Again, not fantastic. But decent for a catcher, on base 327, slug 395. He hit three home runs, which is interesting. Uh, and, and we'll sort of get back to the power conversation, obviously, here in a minute. Then in 2017, again, he would split time between AAA and the major leagues and serve primarily in a backup role. He was uh, okay. Again, hitting 240, 341, 284 slugging is really bad. He didn't have any home runs, so he basically had no slugging whatsoever in 2017. And his defense, at least according to the statistics, which are just all over the map with catchers, but uh, wasn't as good. And so overall, you know, he put up a, a 2.1 FWAR campaign in 2016 almost entirely because of his defense, and then he was a negative war player in 2017. Again, according to the numbers, it sort of depends on what you do and, and don't value there. 2018, of course, was the strange year, the, the really interesting one where he was just terrible with the bat throughout most of the season. He was one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. In fact, he would end with... A WRC plus of 46, and I know it's really harsh on Rockies players, but that still puts you way down in the bottom third of the league. He hit a buck 70 as, as kind of a famous batting average number at this point because of what he would end up doing in the wild card game. But he hits a buck 70, gets a 292 on base, that's really bad, and a 286 slugging across the board. Those are just terrible numbers for. Tony Walters, but he uh, jumped back up in the catching department, so he was a plus war player despite putting up the worst de uh, offensive year of his career. Uh, the, the numbers liked his defense a little bit better again in 2018. To my eye, he's actually just progressively gotten better and better behind the plate. I think some of the framing stuff is really, really tricky, and we'll maybe get back to that here in a minute, but let me keep going through some of the numbers just to bring us up to speed this year he does take over as the rockies primary catcher plays in 121 games uh, by far a career high he gets 411 plate appearances almost double his career high he hits 262 again career high uh, 337 on base 
not quite as good an on-base as he put up in 2017. And slug 329 only hit the one home run. But a 62 WRC plus is the best uh, that he's put up at the major league level, at least since that rookie year, when for whatever reason he was just making a really good amount of contact and they were falling for him. Wolters did fall off a little bit later in the season. He stuck around the 300 batting average for most of the year, but cooled off by the end, finishing with the 262, something that WRC Plus really isn't going to like when you don't slug at all, uh, which he did not. Tony Wolters collected 94 base hits in 2019. 74 of them were singles. That's right. He only got 20 of his 94 hits as doubles, 17 doubles, two triples, one home run. Those are his extra base hits. And so that's a part, a big part of where the divisiveness comes from. Some people look at a guy who jumped his batting average back up almost 100 points from where it was the year before, who seems to have adjusted back to the league. The contact numbers are really good. He cut the strikeouts, which had been hovering around 20, 23% at the major league level, down to 16.5% this last year. That's a big part of the reason why the batting average is so good. Uh, He also very specifically made an adjustment. He got together with the hitting coaches that a lot of the guys just referred to as Mags and Sally. That's Dave Magadan. Jeff Salazar, and came up with a plan recognizing that when he tried to really slug, more than hitting the ball over the wall or getting one in the gap, when he really did line one up, he was getting warning track outs. You know, he he just didn't seem to have the natural power to be able to hit the ball over the wall. And so I've talked about this on the podcast, but he made a concerted effort this year to be a contact guy, sprays the ball all over the field, takes his walks when he can because he's oftentimes hitting in front of the pitcher, which you've got to be able to do, and know the situations when you maybe do have to extend yourself and not put up the best of at-bats because you don't want to hand the inning over to the pitcher. All kinds of different situations there. But... He became a guy who's trying to hit it in front of the outfielders instead of over their heads, and the strategy worked for him, and the big conversation is, will it continue to work? Can it? Does he need to slug more? Does he need to try to slug more? Or is this sustainable? You know, WRC Plus is still waiting for Ichiro Suzuki's career batting average to come down. Ichiro Suzuki, one of the greatest hitters of all time, has got a career batting average of 115, mostly because it doesn't recognize that his singles at some point became sustainable. He was hitting singles on purpose. This is an extreme example. I'm not making a direct comparison between Tony Walters and Ichiro. What I'm saying is it is proven that the strategy of trying to hit for singles can work. We just don't know whether or not Tony Walters is a talented enough hitter to be able to make it work for more than one season and maybe a big part of why he did cool off so much by the end of the year is that for whatever the reasons are that it typically doesn't work for most players it stopped working for him the ball don't fall in 
Uh, guys are playing yeah, that much closer. I did see some teams starting to shift on him, which was really strange and weird and interesting. But the bottom line is he remains a fantastic defender. There was an outside chance he was going to get nominated for a gold glove this year. He did not. But, and again, the, the this is actually according to like the framing statistics and stuff, his worst season behind the plate. Though Fangraph still saw him as a as a plus defender, as did baseball reference, just not as good as he had been in 2016 or 2018. And so, uh, you know, to my mind, he's a lot better at a lot of the little things than he's been throughout his career. Obviously, he added uh, the, the throwing arm as a true weapon. The don't dash on the stash thing is real. It's not that he's got the strongest throwing arm in the world. I'm sure you've heard a bunch of other people say it before, and me as well, but he just gets rid of the ball so damn quickly that he can get those guys out with a pretty consistent rate. Uh, and and that's a, a true weapon and one that I continue. I expect to see continue, you know, moving forward. And so, for me, Walters basically stabilized himself as an extraordinarily reliable backstop, which is a difficult thing to come by, and a tough out to use the old phrase that became such a difficult thing to to talk about with uh, other Rockets. Wasn't it Alexi Amarista was the old tough out? I'm like, yeah, but he's still making the out there, Skip. Um, but Walters was finding ways to really cause problems at the plate this year and work pitch counts, get key walks, uh, get key hits. He drove in 42 runs, which is pretty good for a guy batting out of the eighth spot who does not slug. Uh, at all 42 runs driven in is you know a focus that he has found at the plate a consistency to put together a good at bat and every team is going to have a couple of guys in the lineup who aren't the crazy scary devastating dudes and in order to get away with that you can only have one or two and they need to be exceptional on the defensive end. So we'll keep talking here now a little bit about whether or not I think Walters can be that guy, whether he's been that guy, what he's going to be moving forward. This is a big question on a lot of people's minds. Do the Rockies need to look for catching? Can they keep Walters as the starter? We'll get into all that. But first, you guys know that supporting a local business is in our blood and that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Like Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming. and We've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. It's really cool. 
And we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. So remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes all of it, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like all of us here at DNVR. So make sure to call them today for any of your snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. Talking Tony Walters here on the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. And I think the big question on everyone's mind, and, and this is what's so difficult about the weird analysis that you can do on Walters either way, is that this begs the question, is he a starter or is he a backup? And I think there are a lot of people who would fall on the side of believing more in the advanced metrics that suggest Wolters really isn't that valuable a player and would say the Rockies got to go out and get better at catcher, but would also, I think, fairly say, but, you know, Wolters plays really well as a backup. Like, and, and that's one of the, the best arguments I think you can make in the positive. If you don't want to make it about, oh, Walters isn't good enough, I think there's a decent argument to be made. And and I feel like I've made it before that Walters as a really good backup would be a great value for the Rockies. One, because backup catchers have to play a lot. It, it's the p- position that uh, is played the most just because nobody catches 162 games. It's I don't know that it would even be physically possible anymore to catch 162 games. Actually, people do it every once in a while. It's crazy to me uh, that that happens. Didn't Salvador Perez for the Royals do it or come pretty close? I'd have to look that up. But it's uncommon, and it really is not smart strategy for the most part. Um, So I think, yes, he could play well as a backup. Additionally, uh, Walters does still get out there every once in a while at second base and maybe a little bit in junk time at shortstop. I think it's been a while since we've seen him there. But he has played some second base and done so well, and so in a bench role, uh, he can provide you with some there. Now, of course, in a bench role, he doesn't provide you any power, you know, in a pinch hit opportunity. And so you're not getting a a great use out of your bench in that spot. People would argue, hey, you're not getting a great use out of him offensively maybe anywhere. I do tend to stand on the side of I think he will continue to improve offensively. I think the raising of the batting average this year was in direct attribution to a thing they did on purpose. Do I think they could try to add some pop to it? And that's why he didn't have any barrels. That was the famous stat, right? He didn't have any barrels this year. He never hit the ball at the right launch angle and exit velocity to constitute a barrel. But he also, for the most part, really wasn't trying to. Like I said, they found the, the old phrase for it in baseball is like lean on one, right? When you lean back on, really lean into one and try to crush it. A lot of guys, when they do that, they hit it 450 feet. Walters found when he did that, he was hitting it to the warning track and making it out. Every once in a while, he'd hit it over the wall. 10% of the time, he really lined one up and leaned on it. But if he lined it up, 
he, he just assumed set it down in front of the outfielder. And it's working out for him so far. The problem that the Rockies are in right now is this. If you take a look, and I have and I will, and let's talk about it now, at the free agent catchers, there's a lot of really interesting names out here. Uh, but I don't think there's anybody on the list that you say, yeah, that guy can be the starter and truly relegate Tony Walters to a backup role. Most of them have the exact same problem you have with Walters, or maybe a slight variation on it. First, let's begin with Yasmani Grandal. The Rockies aren't going to get Yasmani Grandal. If there's anybody out there who's that look, that's there's just the only way that that's going to happen is if somebody swoops in before Grandal gets an offer from somebody else, and he will if he declines. First, first of all, he's got to decline an option uh, that he has. Uh, second of all, the Rockies would have to clear out a ton of space because I already said they're not making a big splash. He's big splash. He he absolutely qualifies as big splash. The only way they can do that is if someone swoops in and takes Ian Desmond and or Wade Davis and Jake McGee and you know the names off their hands right away. So it, that's not going to happen. Let's take a look at the because he is the one guy who's a free agent who there's some, you know, it's not impossible, but there's a 1% chance the Rockies are going to get Yasmani Grandal. And so he would be the only guy on in my mind on this list that you make him the starter over Walters. There's a lot of guys here I really like. Uh, Robinson Chirinos, he's the same thing. He's 36 years old, so he's much older than our 28-year-old Walters here. And uh, he's a defense-first, light-hitting catcher. Uh, Tyler Flowers, who I was surprised is 34 years old. I didn't realize he'd been around that long, or maybe he was one of those guys that debuted uh, a little bit later. He also has a club option situation. But he also doesn't have great offensive numbers. The thing about Flowers that's, I think, the most compelling, and if he did become a free agent, I'd be very interested, is he's uh, a right-handed power bat. So he would be an interesting bat off the bench at times, uh, and and he does provide the slugging that Walters does not. But he also strikes out like 7,000% of the time or something like that. I'd have to look at his note. We're going to go through all of the free agents uh, in a future podcast, so I'm only going to go over these guys. I'm not going to jump too deeply into any one of these numbers yet. If there are catchers you guys are most interested in, just hit me up. Let me know who you'd like me to do deep dives on. But the long and short of it is even, you know, Jason Castro, I like. Travis Darno, I like. Um, Austin Romine is an interesting candidate. Martin Maldonado. But all of these guys are the same. If you back it out to the most generic terms, these are Good fielding, good glove work, smart catchers, none of whom have career batting averages over 240 or 250 or whatever it is you're getting from Walters and maybe expect some, you know, uh, hey, they're going to get the Coors Field boost. We know that's not an automatic thing anymore. Jan Gomes is a guy on this list I'm interested in. I think he might be a little more expensive. He's got some pop. Uh (laughs) Francisco Cervelli seems to have a weird rivalry with the Rockies for whatever reason. I don't know what it is with Francisco Cervelli, but uh, he seems unlikely to want to come around. Uh, Some of the old guy reclamation projects like Matt Wieters could be really interesting. 
as more of a backup to Walter. I think if you brought in Matt Wieters at 34 years old, switch hitting catcher who's always been really good defensively, has had some years where he's been really good offensively and some years where he's just been abysmal offensively. So again, you're talking about more than likely ending up with another catcher who can catch but not hit. Uh, with Weeders, you do have the potential for a bit more pop, and he does bring some veterany stuff. You might be able to work with the pitching staff. I even like the concept of Jonathan LaCroix on here, uh, 34 years old, bringing him back. Uh, a lot of the situation with him is misunderstood, I feel like, to this day. I feel very confident that given the right circumstance, he'd be more than happy to come back to the Rockies and catch, especially if he's going to try to get the most out of his bat uh, for these next couple of years of his career. He's been okay out there um, doing his thing. You know, he's never re- regained the all-star form that he once had, but I do think he he clicks well with the pitching staff and, and again, could probably get the most out of his bat if he came back to Coors Field. So there are some really intriguing candidates in there, but I don't think any one of them is automatically, you know, the starter over Walters. Any one of those guys could struggle offensively or, you know, really start just generally experiencing the the downside of their career. Most of these guys are are past 30. Who's the youngest on there is Austin Romine at 31 years old. Um, Grandal is 31 as well, the, the big fish in the pond. And, you know, again, I just don't think that that's very likely at all. Wellington Castillo, he's probably, I didn't realize he was a free agent. It's all the way down at the bottom here. I'd have to double check on that. He's probably going to be out of the Rockies price range as well, though. Uh, he's just too good of an all-around catcher. He's got right-handed pop. If he's not as expensive as I think he is, if, if Grandal's the big ticket and people are all focused on him and they could get... You know, the, the question then would become, would you want Wellington Castillo to be your one off-season acquisition? Because that's probably what he would cost as opposed to spending that on a Tanner Roark or a Jake Odorizzi. And I'd probably would rather go with the pitcher in that situation because I do think you've at least got a pretty solid floor here with Tony Walters. And of course, at some point we've got to mention Dom Nunez. So I guess I just did. He is an intriguing option as a backup as well. That's why I wouldn't be surprised for there to be a lot of eye rolling if, and when it happens. But if the Rockies bring back Drew Butera to stash as a potential backup to work with the pitchers and and do all of that or you know maybe uh nick hunley is still out there in existence uh you know he hasn't retired yet at 36 years old uh there there's some intriguing candidates to be sure but i don't know that the rockies are going to be able to I, I just don't know that it's available it's not not even out of a lack of wanting to improve behind the plate i just don't know that there's a player that you know, if you've got to spend 10 to $15 million, and that's probably, I may be lowballing it there on Castillo, you know, is he really going to be $15 million better than Walters? And, and, and how much does that help you solve the problems that you, as an organization, have? Uh, Rockies pitchers really do like throwing to Tony Walters. You know, Herman Marquez, and he developed a very special relationship 
early on, and that carries over to this day. But as my managers will always come out and say, we don't have specific catchers for specific guys. But they all kind of do in a way. And and if a relationship develops, you've got to let that happen. So Marquez has uh, always had Walters catching him. Uh, Gray has started having. And now, obviously, this last year, because Walters was the everyday catcher. But I, I think Walters caught every one of John Gray's starts. I'd have to go back and double-check that. I know we caught every one of Marquez's starts uh, as long as he was available to do so. And, you know, Freeland used to throw to Ionetta, and there was some talk early in this year about whether or not him getting used to Walters and, and, and a new dynamic there was playing into some of Freeland's struggles. And maybe, maybe it just on top of everything else, another level of unfamiliarity might have been a part of it, you know. Um, that dynamic can be a very very sensitive one and i think they've really gotten on the the same page but it's another reason why you know i i struggle sometimes when i read articles about catchers i feel like 90 percent of them focus on like what they can do behind the plate and whether or not they've got a decent throwing arm and blocking ability and i'm like there's just so much more and uh, there are things about catching that are so much more important than that and figuring out the right dynamic with your pitchers and and calling a game and scouting an opposing lineup. Those types of things are really, really important. So if the Rockies can bring someone into the organization, that's why I really like the idea of somebody like LuCroy because that's someone who can inject some energy into your team, can bring a new dynamic, can bring that veteraniness, and can be a kind of right-handed counterbalance to Walter's leftiness but he's also and it wasn't for very long but he has been here before he knows these guys uh he you know he was on the team when they ran into the uh postseason in 2017 he helped these you know this team make a run to the wild card game and so there would be some trust there and uh, i think that that could be a really good fit as opposed to kind of rolling the dice on someone you don't know as well. And I know the Rockies were happy with LaCroix and the way they thought he fit because they offered him a three-year contract that his agent stupidly told him to decline. And then he ended up with a worse deal playing for the A's. But that's, you know, just LaCroix can tell his agent this time, I want to play for the Rockies. I think that would be an ideal scenario again unless the ideal scenario is a bunch of money clears and they go get Yasmani Grandal but the more likely ideal scenario is that a thing likely ideal scenarios can that can that be something we make into a segment here on the DNVR Rockies podcast Drew Creaseman's likely ideal scenarios uh and this one for me is um a reunion with LaCroix who I think could you know, he's not going to be a huge boost to the offense, but I think he could do a decent amount of that, and I think he's got good baseball left in him. I think he'd be a good mix for the pitchers, and I think he would allow the Rockies to add some oomph in multiple ways without having to spend much money, and they can still go out and, and shop for that starting pitcher or that reliever or two uh, who are going to help them stabilize and allow these young guys 
to reach their full potential, but be able to do so in a, in a lower pressure environment. But, you know, the talk of the offseason so far for the Rockies has been, we want to get the most out of our young guys. But I don't think that can be, you know, a, a stagnant position. I, th- I see a lot of Rockies fans saying, well, that means, you know, they're saying they got to get the most out of the roster they've already got, so they're not going to do anything. I don't, I don't think that necessarily is the case. And I think a move like LaCroix, and, and we've talked about before doing things like investing in your analytics and a lot of things that they can do that don't cost as much money as signing the 10 to $15 million player, spending two or three or $4 million, but in really smart ways that are going, that are specifically aimed at helping the players who are already on your roster. And LaCroix is a move. And and there are other catchers here who maybe they know, you know, would fit. I don't know. You know, maybe they've got a great feeling that Tyler Flowers would just fit in with their guys. And maybe he was uh, best friends with two or three of them. And I just don't know that. They, They could know that one of these other guys can also do this. I'm just saying that I know that LaCroix is a fit in this way. Whoever it may be, if, if you can do that, a low-impact move, but that doesn't just help you a little bit defensively and help you a little bit offensively, it also is aimed at getting the most out of Freeland, Gray, Marquez, Lambert moving forward. And so I think that would be a real value in whatever potential catcher that you bring into. That has to be actually at the top of the list more than, you know, can they hit for power because Wolters doesn't and how good is their throwing arm, their blocking ability or their pitch framing, which quite frankly, shouldn't even be a thing anymore, but we're, we're, let's not, let's stay on track here. Let's stay on track and wrap this thing up by just saying that, you know, I think whichever way they go, Wolters and this, other potentially it looks like very likely uh, it'd be a veteran right-hander like a Lucroy. they got to be a, a tandem a duo not a strict platoon in terms of righty lefty but almost straight up splitting time keep them fresh find out who's developing uh, the best and it's not even about the closest relationships. Like they're just feeling the same pitches at the same time. Whoever develops a rhythm with whatever pitcher, let them go. But it's got to be about that. It has to be about run prevention. Everything the Rockies do this off season has got to be about run prevention. And from my point of view, Tony Wolters does a lot of great things to help the Colorado Rockies from a run prevention standpoint. And that's why I think that whatever the case He'll either be the starter for the Rockies next season, which is absolutely fine. If it's him and Dom Nunez, I think that that's great. I think the Rockies can succeed under those circumstances. But I also think that they bring in a reliever, uh, excuse me, a reliever, a, a veteran catcher, that he's still going to get Walters, that is, is still going to get plenty of, of playing time because of the value that he's shown, what he can do behind the plate uh, with the arm. Like, even his athleticism, his ability to get out in front of the plate and and field the ball and throw it to first or throw it to any base for that matter, the way he can captain the infield, tell the pitcher where to go with it, uh, talk to his guys, the trust he has. He has the absolute trust of everybody in that clubhouse. 
He developed as a leader this season in an extraordinary fashion. He was, is, I should say, the rah-rah guy. He is the para. Finally, he he became that. He He's always had it in him, but as he developed in his game and his swagger and his confidence that he felt like any time at the plate he could get a hit and any time out there someone tried to run on him he was going to get hosed and any time there was a ball in the dirt he was going to smother it that's how Tony Walters played this last season I think that's a big part of why there's a disconnect between me and a lot of the analytics people a lot of us that were down there we saw a completely different ball player yeah he has the biggest hit in the history of the Rockies or at least in the last 10 years uh, I should say since 2009 at at best uh that that game winner against the cubs the year ago and i think that's a big part of what drove his confidence this season knowing that he was capable of coming through in the biggest of moments and everyone in that clubhouse and this is huge when you're a catcher everybody in that clubhouse um you know we were just at the saber banquet the other day with the 2007 colorado rockies and they were talking about how there were kind of different factions in the clubhouse, and they were giving Yorvi Torrealba, again, catcher, credit for being able to bridge all of the communities. Not that it was like clicky or high school or anything, but natural. You know, there's like some of the Latin guys hang out with the Latin guys. The younger guys who would all come up that year, kind of the Barmas and Tulo and those guys, they would hang out over here. Veteran guys over here. Pitchers over here. Uh, you know, and, and it's... It, th- that happens on almost every single baseball team. It's just kind of natural. You, you sort of spend the time around the people you know the most. And you got to have that guy who walks around to all the different groups, keeps everyone feeling a part of one whole thing. And the Rockies have been missing that a little bit since Para and Cargo left. Walters has become that guy. Walters is best buds with everybody in that clubhouse. I see it all the time. He's walking in. He's yelling across the room in Spanish. He's talking to Sam Hilliard and Ryan McMahon, but he's also going over to check up and go over the scouting reports with Wade Davis and Brian Shaw. I mean, this guy is plugged in. He is an absolute asset to the organization. And I know there are a lot of people out there that want to take a look at Tony Walter's numbers and you know, just sort of summarize him as a baseball player there. But I'm telling you, even if he doesn't, and I just went over a lot of guys I'd like to see come in and potentially take away some of his playing time here, but he is extremely important to this organization, especially the relationship that he's developed with a lot of these pitchers. Uh, Scott Hoberg and Iro Diaz are on that list as well, and you know, for continuity's sake, I think it's a really good idea to continue to give him playing time Either way, you know with Tony Walters you're going to get 100% his absolute passion for the game. He's going to come prepared. He's going to do everything he can to get the most out of the man on the mound because that's what he sees as his primary goal. But we talked to him on the last day of the season, and he was just, you could see the determination in his eyes about wanting to get better for next year. You know, we, we talk about some of these other guys coming into their physical primes that are around 25 years old. Um, for Now, he's still at 28, still kind of right, right at the peak of his physical prime, but catchers also tend to 
peak in terms of production a bit later in their careers. And remember, he's only been a catcher for a couple of years. For most of his time in the minors, he was a uh, middle infielder. He is still very much a developing ball player, despite the fact that he's 28. And so you may have the best of both worlds here with Walters. He's in a very similar position. There are two relievers who I just mentioned their names, ironically, and not at all related to this. That just happens to be true of both Jairo Diaz and Scott Ober, guys who, through various reasons, some of it injury-related, some of it life-related, just uh, missed some time, didn't really end up making their debuts in the major leagues until later on. And so now they're at 28, 29 years old. They've got sort of a little bit more wisdom as a human being, a little bit more experience now in the game, still in their physical primes, not coming down the other side of that peak yet, but still developing as baseball players. It's an interesting place. Still, still in the upswing of the development of their mechanics and their technique and their process of whether it's how to get guys out as a pitcher or how to work your at bat as a hitter or for Walters to catch all the other things that come with, as I talked about, scouting the opposing lineups, everybody in Major League Baseball, all the quirks that you got to learn and get used to. And this is the type of guy who's going to make the most of all of that. It's going to be very fascinating to see how Walters comes out next year, especially if the Rockies do make a move at catcher. Uh, But this is also a big part of why I don't think they're interested in making a big move at catcher because the rest of the organization, everybody in that clubhouse has so much love and respect for Tony Walters that they need him to be a big part of this team one way or another. And so, yeah, (laughs) that's all I got. That's what I got. On Tony Wolters. Thank you all uh, for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Hopefully, you're out there drinking your Breckenridge brew. You're preparing to head over to Never Summer for opening day. It's going to be an absolutely phenomenal event, uh, especially for those of you who are ski bums. I think that's still the word that that the people use. I was going to say the kids, but I I don't think... Ski bum is an old term, so I I think we're all allowed to use that one. But it's going to be a pretty great season, too, from what I hear. So make sure you're doing all that stuff. Hey, hey, there's still some time to subscribe to the DNVR.com and use that promo code DREW. Help me get some of that free Breck beer for a year. I promise I'll share with all my favorite friends out there. Anytime you can come out and find me and see me, Breck brew on me if you can help me win this thing. Got to beat those Broncos, Nugs, and Abs. I'm sick of losing to those guys. I'm sick of it. Baseball doesn't get the respect it deserves in this town. Let's get them. Let's get them. Also, you get a free shirt if you do that. In fact, Rocky shirts are half off, so you get two free shirts if you do that. And if you don't want a Rocky shirt right now, that's all right. You can get one of those other cool ones, the DNVR stuff. I think it's super cool. Either way, you can head over to the dnvrmerch.com. Give all of that a look. Hopefully, you're following us on all the social media. I won't repeat it this time. You know it all. I've been signing off for about 12 minutes now. So I will simply say that I hope you continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. 
Hey, you know that taking care of your teeth is pretty darned important. And that's why our friends over at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today.